Hey, this is Nathan with the Church in a Brewery podcast, and I'm sitting here with Heath. Hello again. And we are talking about Mark chapter one again. <laughs> so at our meeting at Church in a Brewery on Monday night, this week we were talking about Mark chapter one verses 21 through 28. There's two things we were really focused on here. One, Jesus starts teaching publicly. And when he does so, he taught in a completely different way than other religious teachers. Like people recognized it and it was really something that turned their heads. So we were gonna talk about that and what it might mean. And then also in this uh, section, Jesus is actually performing an exorcism. So uh, a little bit mysterious and spooky, different, different topic. Well, I'll let you guys read that Mark chapter 1, 21 through 28 yourself. But basically, Jesus went into the synagogue, and when he starts teaching, it's, it's completely different. What was different about it? Well, I like to think of it in modern terms. If you hear, you know, the normal politician, uh, you'll hear, you know, character attacks and all that. What if you had a political candidate that was honest and caring for people and didn't, didn't dive into that? You'd notice it right away. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, for me, the last election had been Carson. He didn't do any of the stuff that you know some of the other political candidates do, and I immediately noticed that, and it it kind of drew me. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be the same with Jesus. The rabbis were teaching on on authority from other rabbis, and he said, he said, he said, and then here's Jesus saying, "Well, I say," and then here's your teaching. I think that was kind of a a note to people, like, "Hey, this guy's different. Okay, what, what, what's this about him that?" That we should pay attention to, or is he a quack? So I think I hear I hear two things that were different about him here, right? Uh, one, a lot of revolutionary leaders were real militaristic. Oh, yeah. Is the term I'm looking for? You know, warlike, aggressive, confident. And not that Jesus wasn't confident, but he wasn't a, like a military leader. He was revolutionary in in terms of loving others. And our understanding of loving other people, he would one up it. So that's one way he was different. And you also mentioned he taught with authority, whereas most people, when, when the prophets and the religious teachers taught, they would speak about God, like God says this. What they actually said in some scripture says, thus saith the Lord. So if you're looking at medieval speak, thus saith the Lord, today would mean God says this, right? But here comes Jesus and he says, I say to you, but he's speaking on behalf of God, like kind of as if he's got God's authority. So that is very interesting, and people noticed it. If you look at Mark chapter 1, verse 27, the people noticed it, and they said, wow, what is this teaching? And it has authority. Some say he's speaking as if he was God. I guess that'd be a head-scratcher, right? For years and years and years, all these prophets are saying, God says this. And hear Jesus repeating some of those things, but says, I say this. That would be a head scratcher, wouldn't it? It would. I think he'd be like adding something on. Mm-hmm. But then he but then he backs it up with like his works. Like yeah. a lot of it's healing. That would get yes. my attention. Like, hey, this dude's arm grew back. And I, I can't wait to get to Mark chapter two, because uh what what we're talking about right here, he's gonna take it even further in Mark chapter two. So that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, Mark one is dense. So uh, we had some questions that we went through with our group on Monday night. How about we go through those real quick? Let's do it. Question number one. 
I guess I should I should recap. Jesus goes into the synagogue, he starts teaching, and then this guy who it says is possessed by an evil spirit comes up and challenges Jesus and says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So at that point, Jesus tells this spirit to be quiet, and he commands it to come out of the man. And that's when everybody who's watching is like, wow, what is going on here? Like, what is this new teaching? What else is interesting is Jesus could have said to this demon, in the name of God, come out of this man, and he doesn't do that. He just straight up says, be quiet, come out of this man. Another example of him exercising authority, as as if he has God's authority. So our first question, you know, talking about evil spirits here, it's pretty spooky. Do you think evil spirits exist? If so, what are they? So all of the tables at Brewery Church talked about this question, got a lot of different views. It was interesting. Uh, What do you think, Heath? Some of the things that came up at the table I was at, they gave their experiences. It was kind of interesting having a, you know, a witness account, so to speak. They said they can be like shadowy figures that kind of appear. They kind of spook you out. And then other times, you know, they'll come and they'll mess things up. And by that, I mean, they don't influence you to do stupid stuff uh-huh. and stuff you wouldn't normally do. And they'll catch you right when you're weak. We talked about their purpose. Their purpose is to quote like Judge Dredd or RoboCop <laughs> to seek, kill, and destroy. And I thought that was kind of cool, that movie reference. I love Judge okay. Dredd. Yeah, I, I was at two tables when we, we asked, what is the purpose of an evil spirit? Like, what do they yeah. want? And we kind of guessed they want power, or they just want to cause havoc. Another purpose that got brought up was they could be slaves forced to do this mm-hmm. by the, the higher the higher demons. Yeah. Or yeah, I get the impression that there's a hierarchy. I don't, I don't know what the threat would be. Maybe their time would be even shorter than their cut short time. But If you're evil and you're basically doomed, then what are you going to do with your time? I guess cause problems, right? I guess. So it sounds like your table pretty much unanimously believed that evil spirits are real? Yeah. One guy said that they could be physical when they wanted to and unphysical when, you know, like just spirit form other times. Mm-hmm. That that had me perplexed. I was like, how do they even do that? I mean, I don't know, but that's one of the one of the views there. Okay, that's different. Yeah. That would spook me out. One minute they're there and the next minute they're not, mm-hmm. you know? So I asked at my table, I asked if... Evil spirits were what we see in Hollywood movies. Do we have these ideas in movies because we've heard these things and this is what we've pieced together that evil spirits might be like? Is it accurate? Is it different? And I think we all have heard that The Exorcist, the movie, is based on a true story. Well, I actually had someone at my table. He's a Jewish rabbi and he's performed a bunch of exorcisms. So he told us that First of all, on on the truth of the movie The Exorcist, he said they took a number of true stories and compiled them into one character. So in the movie, not everything that happened happened to this one person. They put it all together. You know, got to make a movie more interesting, right? But he said that everything that happened in that movie, he says is accurate. So that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen, you know, an exorcist myself. I haven't either. It would it would be intriguing to to see that. Yeah, he hand. he said an exorcism isn't quite what it is in the movie either. He said there shouldn't be like a like a demon getting physical with you and throwing you out a window and things like that. So they there were some liberties taken in those movies. I'll be honest myself, 
I tend to think that exorcisms are real just because of what I read in the Bible. I'm kind of a skeptical person, and I've had a hard time understanding if that stuff happens today and accepting it. Never seen an exorcism or anything like that. And I don't know if I've seen a possessed person or not. <laughs> here's, here's basically why I say this. I don't know where the line between possessed person and oppressed person is. I don't know where the line between possession and just mental illness is. I think maybe we should just mention what possession is versus oppression. Because I think a lot of people are oppressed. Like evil spirits mess with all of us, I think. They tempt us. They try to throw us off track. They try to make us feel bad about ourselves. They try to make us think that we're worthless and things like that. But that's oppression. Possession would be... Possession is usually described as like a, a demon takes ownership of you, right? Like takes up residence and starts renting your body. <laughs> like that's kind of creepy, but it gets more control, I guess. Yeah, like uses you as a, like a, a screwdriver to undo a, undo a screw. Like uses you as a tool. Okay, yeah. Is it like a, like a spiritual parasite? Because we think of like a parasite takes over an ant's body and makes it do weird things. You've heard about the zombie... Zombie ants, right? Oh yeah, the fungus that takes control of their brains. Yeah. So are we are we talking about <laughs> something like that, but instead of being an actual physical parasite, it's a spiritual thing? Ooh, it's possible. Oh, we had a really perplexing question while we were talking about this earlier. We were like, we talked about how might someone get possessed, and we decided my both the tables I was at thought it's probably because we've got some kind of weak area that an evil spirit can take advantage of and kind of work at that area, make it weaker and weaker. Like anger. Like if we're holding on to a whole bunch of anger, that might be something an evil spirit can use. So what we were wondering is, well, um, certainly if you're oppressed, you can work on that weakness so that they have less control or influence in that area, right? But if you're actually possessed, is there any way that you can become unpossessed or do you actually need outside health? outside help for that oh man i don't know the answer to that one that's a good question i don't either can you like <laughs> exercise yourself honestly i'm probably gonna have more questions than answers on this subject this is not a subject that i am super studied on there's this book i don't remember the title of the book but it's by bilizekian it's like b-i-l-i-z-e-k-i-a-n or something like that it's titled spiritual warfare yeah i read that one time that's kind of neat is that what we read like three years ago? Yeah. I, yeah. I do remember reading that. Yeah. Yeah. The lone book I've read on that subject. Yeah. Still sitting on my bookshelf. Question number two is what do you think? Yeah. What do you think the evil spirit recognized about Jesus? Because it says, I know who you are, holy one of God. Part of me wants to know if he was trying to trick him, trying to trick him through his words like the Pharisees were trying to do. Except mm -hmm. this is an evil spirit and knows all about him, apparently. Yeah. I wonder why he would say that. Uh, Initially, I would think out of fear. He definitely recognized that he had greater authority than himself. Yeah, he, he was, was asking Jesus to leave them alone, right? Yeah. It's like, I know who you are. Why are you bothering me? Or something like that. Oh, he says, How, have you come to destroy us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are you interfering? One guy at my table mentioned they're fearful of Jesus because they know their time is already cut short. Mm -hmm. Revelation twelve twelve. They already know they're doomed. So. Yeah, yeah. Even before the cross happened, they already know they're doomed. What about that statement, Holy One of God? Like, in my translation here, I think I'm looking hmm. at an NLT. The Holy One, that's capitalized, so it's a 
it's a title. So that in itself says that the other party has, you know, authority of some sort or demands honor and respect. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is not the spirit giving honor and respect. Yeah. It kind of is in a backhanded way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I personally look at it like, okay, I think the spirit recognizes that Jesus is God or is, is the son of God. Or has the authority to destroy it. Mm-hmm. Some people would just look at it like he's got God's authority. But I think this is a sneak peek at maybe what Jesus' identity is going to be revealed as later in this book. Especially with Legion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Legion, the uh, the group of demons that had to get exercise and go into pigs and get thrown or ran off a cliff. That's kind of oh, scary. I saw a billboard here in Wichita, and it said all this stuff like, we are men and we are courage and all this stuff. And then it says, we are legion. <laughs> and I thought, oh, <laughs> really? Like, do they know what that means? Are, are you saying that you're a, a <laughs> team of demons or what is that supposed to mean? Where is that at? I'm pretty oh, sure it's on West this. Street. I need to take a picture. I'll look tomorrow. I'm going to be driving great. down West Street to go to lunch. Okay. Because I work like down there. <laughs> We are demons. Yes, it is by the AOK Pawn Shop. Oh. <laughs> I went there looking for a Spider-Man game for Xbox. And I mean, like, classic Xbox from 1999. Oh, man. Did you find it? No. No. Okay. No, they had the first one. I'm looking for the second one. Oh. They didn't have it. Okay, so the last question is this. One of the big things we're trying to do is we're trying to walk through the Book of Mark with people and figure out who Jesus is. So I believe Jesus is actually God, but I've got to show people clues and let them make their own decision. So we're kind of walking through this. If I tell people, hey, I do believe Jesus is God, and then they read a story like this that seems like it's out of some kind of crazy horror movie or it's something that's hard to believe, in some people's minds, they'll be like, wait, this sounds like really out there. You're telling me that there are evil spirits and... Jesus performs exorcisms and things like that. So my question for number four for people was, is this story cause for skepticism? If so, what kind of confirmation would you need in order to fully embrace the story as something that actually happened? You know, what would convince you that this chapter is history and not legend or embellishment? What did your table say? I floated between like three tables... And I don't know if I ever heard one of the tables answer this question. Okay. My table brought up, one guy said divine confirmation. Now what that would look like, that could be any number of things. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be beyond a shadow of a doubt certain that this happened in order to say, yeah, that was that was legit. And I brought up Legion earlier, the uh, the pigs falling off the cliff. Mm-hmm. To me, that would be pretty convincing if I had a, if I had my entire livelihood fall off a cliff. The people that own the pigs said, get out of here. We don't want you here. Those were somebody's pigs. So, yeah, that was their, I want to say, savings account. Piggy banks, so to speak. Maybe they were wild pigs. Do we know? Well, the people wouldn't be pissed if they were wild pigs. That's true. Saying, hey, leave us alone. Oh, yeah, they made him leave. Yeah. They made Jesus leave after that. Okay. I guess hand in hand with that, that would also be confirmation of authority. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have authority and divine confirmation. Well, if it's divine, it's going to have authority. So that's what got brought up at my table. Certainty beyond of a shadow of a doubt. What this person said they saw there was evidence. Jesus driving out demons was evidence that he is who he says he is, right? To people that didn't support him. Yeah. 
there was actual stuff to observe and see. Wow, something really crazy is going on here. You could see that Jesus is driving out a demon out of someone because not only did they go into the pigs and the pigs go off a cliff, but this crazy dude who everybody knew was crazy and had no mind was suddenly sane, right? Right. Okay, so... Yeah, like he he would break all the chains that people would bind him. Yeah, inhuman strength. Yeah. So in the book of Mark, Jesus is accumulating this body of evidence by repeatedly driving out demons, healing people, and stuff like that. So that means if you're skeptical about this book, you've got to vet the book itself, figure out when it was written, and vet the authors to figure out if you can trust them, right? Yeah, that takes a lot of work. It does. It does. Okay, so pair that with any evidence of possibly evil spirits that we observe today. Is there any evidence today that we can see that evil spirits are real? I think a lot of that would come through witness accounts. Like, hey, I know someone that said this. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't necessarily have to be a possession. It could It could be something else too, right? I guess. Like, you hear stories about, you know, things falling off the counter. Someone comes and clears their house and suddenly things don't fall off the counter anymore. It could be something like that. Mm-hmm. You'd have to go and you'd have to vet that for yourself. Well, a lot of people have seen mysterious things. For instance, uh, we, we may name them different things like ghosts, aliens, somebody, maybe somebody says they saw a shadowy figure, a demon. I mean, I, I know quite a few people who have seen something. I, I think I've seen something myself at one point. Me too. It's hard for me to deny what I saw, but I also am a skeptic and am logical, and I try to talk myself out of it, but then I realize, no, I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> yeah? Would you that feel, I know of. Would you feel like tying this up by your experience with that? Like, oh, man. Uh, on a basic level? And then I'll give you my experience with it. Okay, so I've, I've had one, too. I've had two experiences, which I'm... Honestly, I'm really hesitant to share them because I think people would think I'm a nuts. Yeah. But... Uh, whatever. I'll throw them out there. You know, it's okay. I can, I can go first if you want. <laughs> People can think what they think. Oh, I'll, I'll share one, and you share one, and I'll share the other one. All right. I remember going through a phase when I was married where I was really having a lot of arguments with my wife. Right. And one night I go to bed early, and she's not going to bed. She's going to stay up. So I go into the bedroom, and we've got this big black dog. Right. He's a Newfoundland Shepherd mix, and I was laying in bed at like 12.30 at night. I hadn't fallen asleep yet. And I saw the dog sitting there next to the bed, just staring at me. Or so I thought. Like, it's like the outline of a dog, right? I mean, this this is a 100-pound dog. So I reached out to pet him. And as I did that, I felt the bed moving because the dog was under the bed. So whatever I was looking at, which was kind of in front of a window, right? So that's how I could see the outline. Whatever was there was not the dog. And as soon as I felt the dog moving and reached my hand out, I saw this thing disintegrate. And I thought, what the heck? And my read on that was that some kind of evil spirit was bothering us, my wife and I, to get us to argue or try to prevent us from getting along. That was perplexing. I don't know. I mean, it was dark, so I've, I've tried to talk myself out of it a billion times and think, Maybe I was just sleepy, but I wasn't. I mean, I was wide awake. So I don't know how else to make sense of that. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, do with that what you will. Right. Was, was it like a, a Thanos snap and it disappeared? Sort of. It took like a couple seconds where it just kind of faded. But oh. like I was looking at this thing for 
several seconds, you know? I mean, like, wow. probably 10 seconds, because I looked at it, and I saw it there, and then I reached out. I can see why you look at that with doubt, because to me, that sounds like, really? This is what you saw? And then... Yeah. I can never run for president now, because people will be like, this guy's nuts. Yeah, well, me either. Because I'm about to, I'm about to blow, blow this up here. Wait, maybe I'm qualified because. Never mind. <laughs> All right, so here I go. I was in bed one night, and mm-hmm. I have this turtle tank sitting next to me, you know, and it's always got the light on, so I'd always sleep with a nightlight or whatever. But there was nothing above it that would make shadows because mm-hmm. you had the light bouncing off the water, making it to the ceiling. There I was. I kind of woke up. I couldn't breathe, so I had sleep paralysis, and you mm-hmm. know, it's like I'm not able to breathe here and i can't move my arms i can't move my legs but i can blink it seems like and i can look all around with my eyes but i couldn't move so i was like okay so i can't move i can't breathe am i dying number one so i'm like okay well i can't do anything by worrying about it but as i looked up i saw three shadowy figures hovering above my head imagine you know those gun targets the silhouettes you shoot at mm-hmm. three of those one straight up and two to the side i'm like you know what? I'm kind of tired. I'm going to roll over and I'm going to let God deal with this. So I did. I rolled over. I don't know how I rolled over. I was in sleep paralysis. But yeah, that was, I just closed my eyes and went back to sleep. Yeah. That was super weird. When I lived in Austin, I knew somebody else who had sleep paralysis and he had it repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And every time he, he thought there was something standing there watching him, he got real scared. He's a real smart guy, rational guy. Yeah. But Huh. You know, it's something that happens. Yeah. So sometimes we try to talk ourselves out of that and come up with a, a scientific explanation. Yeah. Funny thing is, I wasn't scared. I just no, saw good. it and I said, hey, I'm going to go back to sleep. <laughs> like, I, really? That's how I, I mean, acted? I, I'm still scared. But but you and I have heard a lot of stories about how to deal with this and that God has authority over these things. So that would be something that could help us to not be afraid. Yeah. I think that was what helped me not be afraid. Yeah, I remember the day that happened to you because you told me about it. Oh, yeah. That was a while back. The reason I brought up the science thing is because, well, what if what if it is actually linked? I mean, what if there's both like a biological explanation and a spiritual explanation and they're related? We usually think of things like this as either, either or, either scientific or spiritual, and those two views are at odds with each other. What mm-hmm. if... You know, it's both in a situation like this. They're intermingled somehow. Wow, like you just randomly see apparitions. Yeah, like so- something, something like that. Something spiritually is happening, and there's also a biological response. So, like, you've got both. Does it make sense? Yeah, kind of like you're dreaming, but in the real world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's, right. your, what's your other one? And we, I'll take, I'll take a nice sip of this coffee porter, and we'll call it. Okay. So it's a good topic. The first, what do I call this? incident I've had, spiritual incident like this. I had just moved to Kansas. I'd been here for six months or so, and this was seven or eight years ago. Oh yeah, right right after you uh, started going to this church. Yes. So I had actually just started getting serious about my faith, and I was so skeptical that I, I hadn't been able to really fully decide who Jesus was. So I went on kind of this investigation where I dug up all this evidence. I read Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ and some other stuff. I settled on, wow, I I think Jesus is actually God based on all these different pieces of evidence. So I started to get serious about my faith. And then this thing happened. One night I wake up at like 
four in the morning. That was fairly common. I had sleep apnea before I had that sinus surgery. So I woke up kind of startled. I'd had a nightmare. I was out of breath. So I sat up to collect myself. This is, <laughs> this is probably going to annihilate my credibility with most people. But I sat up to collect myself for like 20 seconds or so, right? And I got slammed back into the bed by some external force. I don't know what, but it's like you're sitting up in bed and something throws you. And as soon as I landed back in my bed, I was terrified. So I scrambled to the, the doorway to turn the light switch on, thinking that you know, somebody's in the room or something. Nobody's there. Nobody's in the house. I was completely alone. And I sat there with the light on for the rest of the night and did not sleep. <laughs> wow. So I tried to explain that away over and over again because I, I knew I had sleep apnea. But I had been fully awake long enough, and I could not explain being thrown. Like That'd be like something pushing you back right now. Yeah. In an abusive relationship, what people do is, sometimes is, is something called gaslighting. So, for instance, they'll shove their wife or something, right? I've, I've heard these stories in real life. Uh, someone might shove their relationship partner or whatever, and then they'll feel bad. And they didn't mean to do that, so they'll start telling the person, oh, I, I didn't push you, you just tripped. And they'll tell them that so much that the other person in the relationship who got shoved or whatever, they start to believe it. That's what gaslighting is. They'll start to like make it reality in their head. Yeah, well, I was trying to do that to myself. <laughs> Be like, oh. no, you didn't get you know slammed back in your bed. Like Nothing pushed you. And if I'm really honest with myself... I'm pretty sure I know what happened, but my only explanation for this is that I had just made like a brand new first-time commitment to my faith, and I feel like I feel like if there are evil spirits, they want to remain invisible and unknown, right? If you're a if you're a mole in the CIA, well, you you don't want to be outed. If you have a medical illness, you can't treat it until you figure out what it is, like. You know, if, if you have stomach problems and you try all these different medicines and you're shooting in the dark and, and it doesn't get better, like you can't solve the problem until you know the cause, right? Well, right. I think if evil spirits are real, they would want to remain invisible. Fly under the radar. Because then you can't do anything about them and they can continue to do their work and mess with you. But if you figure yeah. out that they're real and if you figure out what they're doing and shine a light on it, they have no power. So I feel like I finally, like I, I decided I was going to change a bunch of things about my life at that point, and then this happens. So I feel like I outed the evil spirits, or I, I took away weak areas that they were trying to mess with me on, and they had nothing left to do but just harass me. <laughs> That's my theory. That's my theory. Yeah. So a guy at church, I talked to him, and he told me, just tell him to go away. Like, uh, you know, read all these stories, like, Jesus is able to do that. So, uh, like, after, like, three nights of, like, no sleep, I went home, and I, I just told him to go away, and I'm not going to be scared anymore, and I started sleeping again. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's my wild story. Uh, deal with that how you will. Um, if you think that's nuts, don't let that prevent you from looking at, like, the Gospels and archaeology and history and, and figuring out are the things in the Bible true? Yeah. Some of the stuff may not happen to you. Yeah. But, you know, 
keep in mind that, you know, it happened to other people and maybe they're not so wacko. <laughs> yeah. I can't run for office now because that's on that's <laughs> on the internet. I could always be wrong. I mean, I could always be wrong about what happened there, but I feel like the case for who Jesus is is like a thousand pieces of evidence, whereas my my little experience with uh, evil spirits is like, it's it's solid to me, but, you know, it is experience, yeah. so... To me, faith is very personal, mm-hmm. and ultimately, you have to make the decision for yourself. Yeah, whether you think it's true or whether you think it's false, and that can that can change day to day. Sometimes I doubt. Other times I think I'm sure of myself, mm-hmm. and most of the time I'm certain of myself now on where my faith is. So, well, in terms of like the truth about God and oh Jesus, yeah, you you fall back on a large body of evidence, though, right? So yeah, that stuff is that stuff's solid. Some of the some of the more you know experiences with evil spirits and stuff. I'm I'm like I'm not too sure what any of this really is Same in here. fullness. Yeah, I just know what I've seen until I hear otherwise. It's just weird. Uh huh. <laughs> we shouldn't like we're apologizing for sounding crazy, but like lots of people believe in ghosts, so we really yeah. probably shouldn't. We should give ourselves more credit, right? <laughs> That's okay. I think we're good. We're gonna go watch a Nick Cage movie now. Yeah, we are. Color out of space. Oh. Yeah. It looks insane. I can't wait. I love so bad it's good movies. Well, you guys have a good night. And Nathan, let's go watch that movie. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, guys. See See ya. ya.